This podcast has been created by Retina UK, a national charity working for people with inherited sight loss. We hope that you enjoy listening to it. Retina UK Research Development Manager Kate Arkell gives a broad update on what's happening in the research world. This talk was originally made in the latter part of 2020 to the Retina UK local peer support groups. It does reference slides which clearly are not available on the audio version. Things in the research world have uh, paused a little bit over the last few months, as you might imagine. A lot of researchers just had to walk out of their labs in March and lock the door behind them. And uh, unfortunately, some work did get lost. Uh, things like cultures that couldn't be put, uh, cell cultures that couldn't be put in the freezer in time um, and things like that. But I think in general, researchers have kept going with data analysis um, and with writing papers and any work that they have been able to do and things are starting to, to move again. Um, so it's quite hard to know what to prioritise. There's so much going on in research in, in inherited sight loss. Um, there's such a huge range of conditions and that means there's a huge range of research as well. So it's quite hard to know what to do in a short summary but what I thought I would do is a sort of whistle-stop tour of all the various approaches to treatment and some recent progress in those areas. So what's on screen at the moment is just basically a screenshot of Google Maps and Google Maps always gives you different options to get from one place to another. So on the map at the moment I've got lots of different routes from uh, my village to where my cousins live in Kidderminster. I've just randomly um, selected that location. I've got three different routes. And really, all the different routes to the same destination are a little bit like all the different ways that researchers uh, are looking into treating inherited retinal conditions. And some of those approaches might work better in certain situations. Just in the same way that one of these routes might work better if say there's a traffic jam on the motorway um, or even if I wanted to use public transport rather than a car. So I thought I'd start with the gene therapy approach um, because that's something um, most people have heard of and of course we've now actually got a gene therapy um, available on the NHS and that is Luxterna which many of you might have heard of uh, which is specifically for treating LCA, excuse me, Leber congenital amaurosis, <coughs> excuse me, um, caused by faults in a gene called RPE65. Um, now, Luxterna is actually, although it's a cutting edge treatment, in terms of gene therapy, it's actually relatively straightforward. And there are a few others like it for other genes that are currently progressing through clinical trials, uh, including one for the RPGR gene, which is a fairly common cause of X-linked RP, uh, one for the PDE6B gene, uh, which can be associated with RP, and also one for the gene uh, which is associated with choroideremia. Um, so all of those therapies are specifically aimed at a particular gene and the way that they work is that genes uh, provide cells with instructions for building uh, protein building blocks. I've put on the 
screen uh, a, a picture of some IKEA instruction, which probably make less sense than a strand of uh, genetic information. But um, each gene provides instructions for building a specific protein. So those might include proteins that help retinal cells maintain their structure or enable retinal cells to turn light into a nerve signal to the brain. And sometimes when a particular genetic instruction is faulty, so in the examples I've just given you that, that therapies are being developed for, um, you end up with a situation where the resulting protein simply doesn't work um, and that results in sight loss. So Luxterna and those other ones I've just mentioned sim work relatively simply by just packaging up a healthy, healthy copies of the gene in question uh, inside a harmless virus and injecting the whole package into the back of the eye. Um, the virus is there because viruses like to invade cells. Um, and so in this instance, the virus actually helps us by carrying the healthy genes into the center of the retinal cells. And the healthy genes then provide the retinal cells with the right instruction to build a fully functional protein. And so you can arrest sight loss or even improve vision to some extent. So this type of gene therapy is called gene replacement therapy because essentially that's what you're doing. You're replacing a faulty gene with one that works. But there are lots of situations where that isn't actually gonna be the right approach. So one issue uh, might be that the gene in question doesn't actually fit inside one of these helpful viruses. Um, I have a slide now which has a picture of a cat sitting in a box but the box is far too small for the cat and most of the cat is poking out of the top. So some genetic instructions are very long. So for example one of the Usher syndrome genes, Usher2a, is much too large to be packaged in the virus um, as is the gene which is associated with most cases of Stargardt disease, ABCA4. So Retina UK is funding a study at the Institute of Ophthalmology at the moment to look at an alternative to viruses to carry gene therapies into cells. And the researchers there are investigating a naturally occurring molecular structure that normally, in normal cellular processes, grabs onto sections of DNA. And they're trying to use that structure to to see if they can package up big genes for gene therapy and get it into retinal cells that way. Um, and they're testing that approach in zebrafish, uh, which are actually a really commonly used animal model in eye disease research. But that approach is still very much in the very early stages, has quite a long way to go before it could be used in humans. Um, Another way around the problem of very large genes is to not actually try to send new copies of the gene into the retina at all. Um, a completely different approach is to try and identify exactly where the mistake is occurring in the genetic instructions and then create a very specific molecular patch to just uh, cover up the faulty section of the gene. So my slide now is just uh, two elastoplasts crossed over like a, a patch that you put over a graze on a knee. Um, and 
that patch will allow the retinal cell to follow the rest of the instructions well enough to build a protein that works. Probably not perfectly, but well enough. So that's a matter of just sort of patching over the problem. And a company called uh, Procure, which is spelled P-R-O-Q-R, uh, is um, pioneering this approach, uh, helped by Martin Abley, uh, <coughs> who's on their patient liaison committee. Hope you don't mind me sharing that, Martin. Um, in inherited retinal conditions, um, and not just for conditions associated with very large genes either. They are looking at Usher syndrome, but they've also got clinical trials underway in LCA10, uh, which is a form of <coughs> Leber congenital amaurasis that's associated with faults in the CEP290 gene. Um, they're also looking at RP caused by faults in the rhodopsin gene, the RHO gene. Um, uh, the LCA10 trial is the one that's progressed the furthest. That's nearly at the final stage of clinical trial testing. <clears throat> so that's kind of the final stage that they'll do before, if they're successful, they'll apply for licensing. Another potential problem is if the genetic fault means that rather than the resulting protein just not working, it actually exerts a harmful or toxic effect. Um, and then you might have to resort to actually editing the gene, um, actually cutting out the faulty section. Um, oh, too far. <laughs> so uh, now I've put on screen a picture, a very simple picture of a DNA molecule with two pairs of scissors um, cutting across it. So <clears throat> this involves a technology called CRISPR um, that some of you might have heard of. Um, and a company called Allergan has actually started the very first human clinical trial of gene editing. Um, and that is for a particular type of Leber congenital amaurosis as well. So this is at the very, very earliest stages of clinical testing. So we'll have to wait and see how they get on. But I think it's quite exciting that the first inhuman trial of gene editing has taken place in a, in a retinal condition. Um, Retina UK is about to start funding a PhD studentship at Oxford University to look at using a slightly different type of CRISPR editing in Stargardt disease. <clears throat> and we'll probably do a feature on that project, project in a future edition of our newsletter, Look Forward. Um, so I won't spend too long on that now, but um, it's just a slightly, slightly different approach. Again, they're investigating that at the very earliest stages. They're looking at um, just purely in the lab how to, to make that work. But um, it's the first step, always the first step towards future treatment. Most of the approaches I've talked about so far will all probably work best when they're given quite early on in the course of a condition. Um, when there are plenty of photoreceptor cells in the retina that are working well enough to make use of the new genetic instructions or the repaired genetic instructions. Um, and they also rely on people having a genetic test result that's identified exactly which gene is causing their sight loss. Um, and in some cases, uh, exactly where and what the mistake is within that gene. But what if your sight loss is caused by a gene that hasn't been identified yet? 
um, which is still the case for about one third of people with inherited retinal conditions. Uh, or what if your condition has progressed too far for these uh, approaches to be helpful? Well, in those situations, you might be a candidate in the future for something like stem cell treatment or a very exciting new approach called optogenetics. <clears throat> and optogenetics makes use of a particular type of cell in the retina that isn't actually damaged by the disease processes we see in RP or LCA or other inherited retinal conditions. These cells are called ganglion cells and they sit right in front of the light sensitive photoreceptors. And their normal job is to help re relay image information from the photoreceptors to the brain. So they're really just part of that messenger system, that wiring system. But if the ganglion cells are given the right instructions, they themselves can become light sensitive and start gathering image information. Um, so they could potentially take over from photoreceptors that have been severely damaged. So I've put on this screen now a very simple picture of a football substitution board. <clears throat> so it is sort of like replacing the photoreceptors. And optogenetics works by providing the ganglion cells with the genetic instructions to build light sensitive proteins. And it's an approach for use when sight loss has progressed quite significantly because it's not going to be able to provide high quality vision that might enable somebody to watch TV or read, um, but it might enable some functional vision that could improve mobility, improve independence. And Allergan again, has this approach um, in the early stages of clinical testing, um, as does another company called GenSight, G-E-N-S-I-G-H-T. And the GenSight approach actually uses a, a special pair of glasses as well. So you have the gene therapy injected into the back of the eye, but then you also have to wear a special pair of glasses, which I think helps the light, help converts the light to the right wavelength for the new uh, light sensitive protein to, to pick up. Finally, nearly there, um, I'll just mention stem cells. Um, this is really complex in itself, um, uh, as are any of these topics really, but there are a couple of stem cell treatments in the sort of first couple of phases of clinical testing um, in RP, um, and those are taking place in America at the moment. They seem to be doing okay so far. I think a lot of researchers are a little bit sceptical about stem cells in RP, but the trials seem to be having a reasonable amount of success, shall we say. I think there's reason to be fairly optimistic, <clears throat> but they do require more testing in more people, in more situations, for us to really understand exactly who they might help. Um, the stem cells, I think we tend to think of stem cell treatments as growing a new growing replacement tissue, a growing a sort of replacement for a damaged retina. Um, and in RP, stem cells probably aren't replacing damaged cells. They're actually probably nourishing damaged cells and supporting some regeneration. But we don't really understand how they're doing that or what they're doing. Um, and if you're interested, the companies involved are called Reneuron, as in uh, R-E and then N-E-U-R-O-N 
and J-Cyte, which is J-C-Y-T-E. <clears throat> um, Renuron and J-Cyte use stem cells derived from human embryonic stem cells. Um, researchers in Japan are at the early sort of laboratory stages of looking at using a special stem cell called an induced pluripotent stem cell. And these are really, really clever stem cells because they come from the patient's own skin cells. Um, so because they're derived from our own cells, for example, if I were to have the treatment, if the stem cells have been derived from my cells, my immune system is much less likely to get upset by them being re-injected into the back of my eye. Um, <clears throat> it's really, really clever. They take some skin cells and over... It takes a while and it takes some painstaking work in the lab, but you turn the skin cells back into a stem cell so they're capable of becoming anything. And then you give them a nudge in the right direction and they become retinal cells. Um, and so that is um, something we use. We use those a lot in the laboratory or researchers use them a lot in the laboratory to effectively grow little retina little retinas in dishes effectively what we call an, an eye cup a little tiny um laboratory model of the retina and if of course if you use cells that have come from somebody living with a particular ge genetic mutation that little uh, model of the retina is going to provide you with an ideal model of that particular condition <clears throat> and allow you to look at what's going on in that condition in the cells so all of these treatments uh, are a little bit behind Luxterna. They've probably all got a few years to go yet until they get to the clinic in the way that Luxterna has. Luxterna took 19 years from the point at which uh, the kind of proof of principle was established in a, in a large animal model, in a dog. And it took that long, uh, it took 19 years to get from that point to us having it available on the NHS. So <clears throat> this whole process is frustratingly slow. I appreciate that, but a lot of it's to do with safety um, and the length of, of clinical trials and just sort of getting things through from those very early stages in the lab to actually being appropriate to start testing in humans. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about Retina UK by visiting our website, www.retinauk.org.uk. If you would like to get in touch, please email info at retinauk.org.uk or telephone 01280 821 334.